Shameless Picture Show is part of the Cinepunks Network. If you like the Shameless Picture Show and you want to hear other great shows like it, make sure you check out the Cinepunks Network. You can find them at www.cinepunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. There's other great shows such as Cinepunks. There's the Carnage Report, Cinema Smorgasbord, Fat Girl Hacks, Loud Fast Philly, Tomb of Ideas, and Twitch of the Death Nerve, and so much more. If you like punk rock and you like movies, make sure to go to www.cinepunks.com. And let's not forget the sponsors for the Cinepunks Network. We have the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They are the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley with service to the whole country, professional and personable in a way that only a DIY business can be. They also have ridiculously low prices for whatever your screen printing needs may be. You can visit them online at xlvacx.com. That's xlvacx.com. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. We also have the Essex Coffee Roasters. They're, all their coffee is roasted to order. They have high-quality beans, bunch of apparel, and tea available. They are bringing high-quality coffee to the masses without the pretentiousness. Use the code CINEPUNKS for 10% off your first order. You can visit them at www.essexcoffeeroasters.com. That's E-S-S-E-X, coffeeroasters.com. Once again, use the code CINEPUNKS for 10% off your first order. Big shout out to the band Crossed Keys uh, for lending us that awesome fucking music during our little ad. That song is called Who We Never Were. You can buy that single currently off of Bandcamp. The band is called Crossed Keys. It will be on their full-length album, Believes in You. Uh, that song was lent to me by Crossed Keys, specifically, uh, I don't know if he goes by Joey Angel or goes by Joshua Alvarez, but I met him as Joshua Alvarez. He's the co-host of Cinepunks, our fucking network. And I told him, I love this song, I want to use it, so that way people don't have to just listen to me talk. And he said, fuck yeah. So please, if you like the song, uh, the song is called Who We Never Were. You can get that on Bandcamp currently. Uh, it's off of their album Believes in You. You can get the 10 song. The 10 song LP is out May 5th, Friday, May 5th. Uh, you can actually order it on vinyl right now. So go show them some love. Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, corpse grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, 
and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and pick up your copies of Rudy Ray Moore's Dolomite films, just in time for the new Netflix movie Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. Also available is Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper, James Hong's The Vineyard, Pledge Night, Lust in the Dust, starring Divine, Putney Swope, The Amityville Cursed Collection, and much, much more. Also, don't forget to pre-order your copy of Tammy and the T-Rex in glorious 4K Ultra High Definition, or Blu-ray, and The Angel Collection. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Viers, and with me, as always, is the only person who I don't want to go up in smoke. Uh, really Nick work. Richards. <laughs> I didn't really. Uh, if you couldn't tell, <laughs> I did not write an intro again. <laughs> Pretty much, we, I, I was eating dinner and I was like, "Man, this is a good chalupa." And I was like, "Oh fuck, I forgot my one job." And I was like, eh. "I don't just know. like the burritos in Mexico." <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, I I really wanted to know what that burrito tasted like. Like you know, he was right? really into it. <laughs> I don't think it was the burrito that made him really into it. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> so how you been, Nick? I've been okay. Just okay? Uh, yeah, it, like ups and downs. That's fair. That's Comes and goes. That's life. Um, indeed. Yes, it is. Um, but I've had a very good day today so far. That's great. Yeah. So and far, <laughs> this is going to be so- the, the, the low point. <laughs> You never know. Things could change. <laughs> is this storming out? Is this storming by you? It is. Because I keep seeing um, flashes. Like, ooh, what's that? Uh, the tops are after me. Ah. So we got <laughs> we to wrap no, this shit is, up fast. There is a pretty good thunderstorm passing through. I think the worst of it is over. But um, if there start to be big booms, that's what is happening. We had a good one the other day. Uh, and it was one of, it was one of those rare afternoon thunderstorms okay like morning and afternoon thunder i don't know i whoa i just saw it <laughs> that was a good one <laughs> i uh I, I weirdly like when it when it storms when i'm at work i think just because it changes okay. the the dynamic of the day I, yeah like don't get me wrong i, I love it when i'm at home but like i don't know when i'm at work part of it was I'm not gonna lie is because when i used to work in retail i was always hoping the power would go out <laughs> oh no i can't sell anything oh no well it was great until i started working in produce because then if the power was out for more than a half hour i had to start a really working harder working harder <laughs> to get everything off the floor and it's like oh fuck <laughs> but at the same time you know if you're doing that then you kind of have an excuse for why you didn't get other shit done right so 
It's nice to have a backup plan. <laughs> yeah. I am loving your shirt, by the way. Thank you. It's a Cinepunks t-shirt. <laughs> nice. Yeah. For those of us in podcast land, it looks great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know people at home can't see it, but I love it because it's, it's Cinepunks. It says established 2014. Nice. And on it, it says uh, movies, music, and friendship. Oh. And it's got a cup of coffee with a bat on it. <laughs> Movies, music, and friendship, it's just like us. Yeah, pretty much, because we've <laughs> talked about all of those things here. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, guess I haven't been up to much. I've been um, still working through Star Trek slowly, and every time, oh, I yeah. put, every time I put it on, I think of you. Uh, but now I'm now I'm moving around. Like uh, originally, I was you know I'm still working through Enterprise because I think me and you had discussed. You thought for my first watch through, it'd be beneficial to do in star date order. Yeah, it's been kind of fun. Like early days of Enterprise when they're like, we don't trust telepo- telepath, like not telepath, <laughs> like, uh, teleporting yet. Um, and we just only discovered Vulcans like 50 years ago and shit. Like yeah. Uh, but then since I got uh, from from my good friends over at Paramount Pictures, I was sent a review copy of the the Next Generation movies. So I was like, well, I don't. I don't have time to sit and watch all of Next Generation before I watch this. Uh, so, and so I'm just going to jump in. That being Jumping in. S- that being said, I rented a lot of those movies quite a bit as a kid because I always I had a curiosity about Star Trek. Um, so even like when Star Wars was like the biggest thing ever in my life, it's like there's something about Star Trek that always like pulled me in a little bit. Yeah. I just had no idea what the fuck was going on. Sure. Um, and even it's it's like... The movies are far more action-packed than the TV show, but it's still, yes. like, a lot of talking. Sure. <laughs> like, you have, like, the Captain Kirk way of doing things where it's a lot of, like, fist fights and being shirtless for some reason. And then, like, the climax of Star Trek Generations has, like, Picard talking to Malcolm McDowell and throwing rocks at a force field. Like, <laughs> But yet it's riveting. It is. It's that... That Patrick Stewart man, that guy did. Oh, and I just before we before we go on too much of a tangent about Star Trek, which once again don't know how much of this is going to end up staying. There was something like weirdly appealing about having Kirk and Picard in the same movie, not just because it's Kirk and Picard in the same movie, but because they have two wildly different styles of acting. Oh my God! Yeah, (laughs) and and putting them together. In a, on a sound stage and having them play off of each other, I can't imagine what like what it took to pull cohesiveness between those yeah, two. Especially because like they played off each other really well. Like like um, I think Shatner was really good in the film, and I think Patrick Stewart's you know just classically trained style of acting pulled the best out of Shatner. And then I also think. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I also think Shatner's style of acting knocked Patrick Stewart off of his pedestal a little bit and made him realize oh. he could have a little bit of fun and doesn't oh, always nice. ha- doesn't always have like he doesn't always have to be like mm, so stiff yeah. like that you could you know he's essentially a board. And once again, that's <laughs> not a complaint. Like that's what the character calls for. Right. But you know, could have a little bit of fun. Be a little loose. Uh, he put a little Kirk in into that Jean Luc. Yeah, well, Jean-Luc Picurk. <laughs> James T. Picurk. I don't know, something. Eh, something. I love it. <laughs> Picurk. Picurk. TX! TX! That's for you, Austin. <laughs> TX! So I'm letting you lead uh, 
uh, my your announcement. I, I don't want to do it for you. Oh, let's see if I can get through it. Okay. Um, so the last episode or two, I've talked a lot about my mental health work that I have been doing. Um, and it's been going very well. Uh, it is exhausting, but I'm making progress and it feels very good. <sighs> With that said, one of the things that I think I need to continue my progress is some more bandwidth. I think by the time I get done parenting and my household duties and my nine to five that I have to do to pay for the house and the food for the kids, they like to eat every day. Every day. Who knew? What? What is this <laughs> bullshit? By the time I get done with that, I have very little space left. Mm-hmm. And this podcast with you has always been one of the most important things for me to do. But I need to put some time and effort into my mental health. And this, this is for the audience. This is, for the record, like, Michael and I have talked all this through, so this isn't me talking to Michael. You know, I'm not surprised Pikachu <laughs> over here being like, oh. <gasps> um, we've, known so, this, we've known this, like, since episode two of this <laughs> So I am going to step back from the podcast. I'm going to take a break. I... I'm not putting any time frame on it um, because if I I don't want to not return, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to say I'll return after X amount of time because I don't know how long yeah this journey is going to be. And and if if you don't mind me interjecting a little, yes, bit, please, like. I'll, I think I'll pull I, back my tears a little bit. I think that's I think that's useful because, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way, and I don't want you to feel like you weren't like present. I I almost feel like you came back too soon last time, because um, um, in, for those of you who may be new, uh, around season but, three, Nick t- had to take a little bit of break. There was a lot going on, and he took a break. And um, I want to say it was only like four or five episodes until you came back. And that's not a problem. Like, I love having you on the show. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I feel like yeah. you might have, I think you might have needed more time than you were aware of. That, um, yes. I... And, you know, it's one of those things. You always have a spot on the show. Um, you know, it's our show when it comes down to it. It's something that we created together. And while yep. I'm going to be taking the reins... Uh, it's always going to be our show, and that's also not. To, and I'm not put, saying this to like put pressure on you. It's not to say that you might, it's, not, it's not to say you might not come back for an episode or two here or there. Just sure, if, yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind of hoping you come on for a very Brady Christmas. I, I, we but, mentioned it like an episode ago, and I'm like, how can I not be there for the especially for that episode? So. Well, since I've known this is coming for a little bit, I have been filling in the schedule and everything and making sure I have guests because no one wants to sit and hear me talk for an hour. <laughs> I do. Well, but... thank you. Um, that's the one episode so far that no one has claimed. <laughs> no one wants to do a very brave Christmas. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not to say you won't come on, come back here and there. And also, I'll be completely just honest, don't feel obligated that, you know, you have to come back. 
Yeah, and and I hear that in the spirit that you're sending it with. Um, it's balancing the like, or at least don't feel like you have to come back full time. Is what. I'm yeah, you want to make sure that I feel comfortable returning to the extent that I can and have the capacity to without making it feel like pressure mm-hmm. as I navigate my mental health journey. Yeah. Um, so. There's two things that I want to make sure that I say as part of this announcement. Um, one is to thank you, Michael, for a for everything that we have done together on the Shameless. Um, it and, and also I don't want this to sound like a swan song, like it is, but that doesn't mean that I'm never coming back. It is weirdly um, appropriate that the movie we're doing is Up in Smoke. Uh, I, I kind of found that like when you were like, well, what's going to be your last episode? And I was looking at our, our plan that we had worked on. Like, everything like, but blue, anything but Blue Velvet. I, I didn't want to go out on Blue Velvet and then Up in Smoke, just like the title alone made it feel kind of right. Um, so thank you to you not not just for everything that we've been through together and all the um, incredible conversations that we've had and the joy that you've brought to my life um, but also for taking the reins and holding it for now the second time when I've had to step back for personal reasons Uh, you kept it alive at a time when I couldn't and you made you you kept it alive so that I could come back the first time mm-hmm. after my first break. And, uh, and this time you... I'm even more prepared. Nice. <laughs> so as to the extent that you have the capacity and interest to keep it going, I, I appreciate all of the work that you've put into this. Um, the other thing that I want to say is thank you to all of our shame listeners um, for every episode you've downloaded for every social media post, many of which I never saw because I'm not on social media, every engagement. Um, this has been a really special part of my 30s now going into my 40s. And um, I cherish it. And we wouldn't have continued to do it if there wasn't some level of engagement from you. So thank you so much. Thank you for supporting me to the extent that you do um while i take better care of myself and 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 while this is not meant to be like a like you said a swan song let's just take like a moment to like view some of the shit that we've accomplished on this like you know um (laughs) you know people we now we've had on the show who have become like friends like uh, yeah like uh like Austin. Austin, he's a great example. Katie Cadaver. Yes. Um, Love Katie. Um, you know, I've reached out to Butch Patrick multiple times, and he's never replied to me. But that's <laughs> that's still an accomplishment in itself. But you did get to do an episode, our hundredth episode, yes. <laughs> with uh, Andre Gower, which still blows my mind. Uh, and then while I have not gotten a hold of Butch Patrick, I did. Uh, put it out in the ether that I wanted to get him on the show, and his ex-wife messaged me. <laughs> so we've got so that's, that. That's the, and she gave me his phone number, and I was like, I'm not going to text him. That feels like that a feels, boundary crossing. But, and then she also gave me his, his, his email, and I was like, that seems appropriate. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if he keeps ignoring me, I do have his phone number. <laughs> 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 Um, you know, so it's like a lot of cool shit. And then like we are, we're, we got on the Cinepunks network and that's been a big deal for us yep. and some good, a lot of good shit. And then like, I just, we were friends before the show, but I think the show has just made us better friends. It gave us a, something in our calendar that made us connect on a regular yeah. basis. Cause and it's, it's, oh, it's so easy when friends don't live next to each other to get busy with life. And like, after a few years, you're like, God, I really miss that person. But like, you don't want to just say, Hey, well, that's it. Just missing you. You know, it's hard to do that. So this gave us a way to like see each other's faces, even if it's on a computer screen and hear each other's voices and, and enjoy this, the, the passion that brought us together in the first place. Yeah, that's something I, I want to, like, because like you said, we both get busy, and, and neither of us are the best always at texting each other. <laughs> Not because we don't want to, it's just... Right, yeah. It's just, no, so, I would text you every day. <laughs> so we'd have, we have to just, we have to find, make sure we, we put those little things into our schedule to make sure we are keeping in contact with yes. each other. Yeah. And uh, so I have not, I've told a couple people that, you know, you're going to be taking a step back, because obviously people are, like, wondering, it's like, why, like... Because I was d- being so diligent about getting people on the show, and they're like, why? <laughs> what, what are we filling for? <laughs> yeah, so uh, um, so I've, I had to tell a couple people, but I um, you know, I didn't want to necessarily like give your news for you. However, uh, we, we mentioned Katie Cadaver. She did give a nice little send-off to you, and she what? wanted me to let you know <laughs> that she's always enjoyed your perspectives and the balance uh, you bring to the show, and specifically, she's going to miss your laugh. Okay. <laughs> I knew that one was gonna make you cry. Fuck. Oh, thank you, Katie. Um, thank you very, very much. Uh, I can pull it together. I can pull it together. Just gotta get through. There was a reason episode. I saved that one till the end. Oh. <laughs> and I love you, Michael. And I love Amanda. And um. And toxic masculinity sucks, so I'm just going to tell you that I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Nick. <laughs> I've, you've known this. We've, t- we've, we've yes. been like, pardon me, we've been very uh, open about that for a long time. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much since the day we met each other, we're like, <laughs> I think I love this guy. Cheese curds, Simpsons tattoos. What? I love you. <laughs> it didn't take much. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we were drawn to each other. <laughs> yes, um, but yeah, it's like we've we've uh, like I said, we've known this was was coming for a little bit, but Nick wanted to make sure the the transition was smooth, uh, which I'm glad about because I needed some time to cover my ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh fuck. Um, when when we agreed to it, I I was already kind of looking at all of the things in my life and knowing that I needed to make space, um, and. Every time I like looked at the shameless and and that commitment, it was like, how could I possibly step away from that? But it's it's like that thing where like you need to make. I knew that I needed to make that space, but I didn't want to stop doing anything because I'm obviously doing those things because I care about them so much. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of said after I started telling you about the 
the things I was going through. You're like, well, if you need a, a break, let me know. I'll support that. And then it was kind of like, it was the offer that I needed in order to know that that was the decision that I had to make. Not the, it was never the one that I wanted to make, but it is the one that was healthiest for me. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying to do now. So yes. And that's all um, like we've, we've said from the beginning, this show is therapy for us. Yeah. It's yeah. therapy by way of movies. And you know, for us to, if we were to ignore that, it would be undoing the whole point of this show. And we said from the beginning that this should never be something that we're stressed at, that's adding stress to us. And not to say that it's adding stress, but it in needing to make the space to, to work on my health, that was something that I did really have to step back from in order to make that space. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I'm going to be keep you in the loop about what we're doing. And um, at any point you're like, you know what? I do want to talk about that movie. Yeah. You know, just let me know. Awesome. Love you. I love Amanda. Love Katie. Love all of our shame listeners. Uh, I'll miss you guys while I'm away. And um, I think with that, um, like I will be at the end of this episode, let's go up and smoke. <laughs> All right. Segway! Segway! <laughs> All right, take a sip of coffee for the working man. I'm doing ice water. It's I got that. I got coffee and Baja Blast, two sides of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in case you didn't get our really ham-fisted references, on this week of the Shameless <laughs> Picture Show, Nick and I, for his, his, his last episode for a while... We are going to be talking about Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. So I did not... Traditionally, I write an intro for this show uh, where I <laughs> give a, 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 a synopsis of what the film's about and give its historical context. I realize a movie like Up in Smoke is incredibly difficult to give a synopsis <laughs> for because <laughs> when it comes down to it, it is, all, it is a series of vignettes and sketches that are put together with a very loose narrative something like maybe a, like a kentucky fried movie or <laughs> a, a strange brew or something like that where there is or even i think one of the best examples of a film like this wayne's world where wayne's world there is a plot to, in a Ish. sense there's it's just a kind it's just a bunch of little bits put together into a cohesive piece and uh, Up in Smoke is a, I don't I don't want to be as bold to say the first one because I'm sure there was others, but was one of the most prolific ones, uh, in terms of kind of kicking off this style of stoner comedy. Yep. So the film's plot is pretty simple. You have an unemployed slacker. Uh, just I think his name in the in the credits is just Man. Maybe. Uh, I don't even know what his name is. Um, um, Pedro? No, not Pedro. The other guy. Okay, uh, the other one. I think he's just in the credits. Just, oh, no, no. I looked. I just looked up. He has the name Anthony Stoner, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he gets sick of his parents and just decides to run away from home and meets, uh, his, he meets a guy out in the street named Pedro. And they bond with each other over music, over petty crimes, and their mutual love of drugs and <laughs> as the movie progresses they go on a 
bunch of different adventures that take them, you know, um, through the seedy sides of Los Angeles, takes them down to Mexico, uh, and back again, and it all winds up at a big Battle of the Bands. <laughs> <laughs> which is such a beautiful way to end that film <laughs> it's not where i saw it like i didn't expect the battle of the bands element in this uh, i'll be honest i did not i wasn't expecting this, this movie and school of rock to have the same climax <laughs> damn it you're right it's so good <laughs> i i will say though my one of my favorite lines we're not even talking about the movie yet. I'm still working through the synopsis, but I do have to mention it. Is where he, he's like, we we have only had two practices. He's like, yeah, but it's punk music. All you have to do is look like a punk, and we can do that. <laughs> but we should get really loaded first. Oh yeah, yeah, we should definitely do that. So, Up in Smoke, as I mentioned before, was the first film by comedy duo Cheech and Chong. The a lot of the a lot of the the bits in this film were comp- were comprised of uh, sketches that they performed on their comedy records. The film was it was written by and starring both Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin. Uh, the film was directed by Lou Adler. If his name does not sound familiar, do not don't be surprised as he was not a prolific filmmaker. However, he was prolific in the world of music. He was actually the co-owner of the Roxy Theater in West Hollywood. Oh. Uh, he was also a producer for some big bands such as uh, the Grassroots, Carol King, and the Mamas and the Papas. He oh, was wow. also the executive producer on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So he is a big. He he's also the guy who discovered Cheech and Chong, and um, produced their early albums. Wow! So he was the director of this film. Um, so the film in itself it was really successful. Um, I don't have like any figures in terms of how much money it made, but they knew it was going to be successful because Cheech and Chong and themselves were a successful comedy duo, and they knew if anything, they would probably break even just from their fans showing up. Um, but what they weren't expecting was for this film to catch on in the counterculture the way that it had. In, the, a, in a similar way that Rocky Horror Picture Show did. Yep, and... Um, and so um, on top of that, they had a really interesting style of marketing where they put uh, comic book uh, drawings throughout um, uh, California with Cheech and Chong on it advertising the movie. So the movie that was not loved by critics. I think uh, Roger Ebert gave it a half star <laughs> and said it was incredibly stupid. However, Pauline Kale of The New Yorker liked the film, so I think it balances itself out. <laughs> uh, Cheech and Chong's, not Cheech and Chong's, uh, Up in Smoke is a, um, is a prolific f- film in the stoner comedy genre. Like it or hate it, there is something truly unique about it. And that's what we're talking about. And there we go. From uh, 1978, this is Up in Smoke. Play the trailer, man. <laughs> In the 30s, Laurel and Hardy were the kings of comedy. Then, Abbott and Costello took the 40s and split their sides with laughter. 
the 50s went hysterical and broke up to the wild antics of Martin and Lewis. In the great tradition of these laugh masters of the past come two guys who are hysterically funny. They're Cheech and Chong, the comedy team that gave birth to rock comedy and in the process turned on a whole generation. Now it's time for the Cheech and Chong movie, Up in Smoke. Watch Cheech and Chong travel to Mexico to pick up the world's first van made entirely of marijuana. For years, people have smuggled grass across the borders in every way possible. Do you expect to see any violence here today? I certainly hope so. But things Do don't always go as planned. <coughs> and even man's most heavenly plans go up in smoke. We get pulled over by the cops, man. What? I don't have a license. You don't have a license? Sure. You don't have a license. Things get even higher when the world's only grass van starts smoking on its own. What do you guys want? If it isn't one bust, it's another. Oh, man, it's a cop, so strawberry, they're on your pad, man. They're going to bust your pad. Hey, 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 hey man, hi. What? Hey, man, it's a bus. What's going on? It's a bus, man. Hello? Get out of the house, man. It's being busted. Point freeze! This is a bus! Holy... So if you want to see the dopiest van of all time... Hey, first game! Here we go! On its way to the wildest rock concert of the century... ...and the high of a lifetime... See Cheech and Chong, the original High Riders, in Up in Smoke. It must be some heavy. Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. Don't go straight to see this movie. That was my most cohesive, not planned out one yet. Well, I think that it it actually mirrors my opinion of the film in that because it is so weed centric mm -hmm. it's disjointed and discombobulated but in a way that works so yeah. well given the subject matter like it i i found myself at times going is this a really bad movie or is it a really meta movie? And I think the answer is it's both. Like, yeah. because watching it, it does kind of like give you this sense of being stoned in that you're like, wait a minute, how did we get here? Weren't we just talking about something else entirely? To what do you mean the van's made out of weed? I thought they were making TVs. Like, it, there were just so many narrative incongruencies mm -hmm. that you spend the whole time going wait a minute what <laughs> yeah and there's but times because they're stoned the whole time and there's times where they the way they would exit a scene is completely different than the way that they would enter the next scene um 
and it's it, it's it's fascinating because like like you said it's it's you you wonder is like is this poorly made is this intentional is this an editing choice who knows who knows <laughs> who knows it's 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 almost genius in that no one is sure and yet you know i could sit here and wax philosophically about it's you know it's it's pacing issues it's editing how some of this stuff doesn't make sense but that's me nitpicking um while watching the film even if it didn't always work for me i was never sitting there being like this is a poorly made film I kept thinking, it's like this seems like it's a well-made film. It seems like they have a pretty sizable budget. It's shot confidently. With some I think really this isn't weird mistakes. That are they? Yeah, it's like it, it's like I it, you ride this line. Like, is this intentional? Is this not? You know, if this was a truly poorly like poor script, I don't think they could have gotten Stacy Keach or Tom Skerritt. But there they were, or Struther <laughs> Martin. <laughs> There was another time where, um, oh, the, one of the many raids, just house raids, you'd think that that's all the cops did in this era was raid little house parties to get them for weed. And they were hiding behind the curtains going, <laughs> no, everybody's getting deported. They called it on themselves, but they're still hiding and kind of it's acting as voiceover. And then all of a sudden it cuts to Mexico when they were deported, <laughs> yeah. even though presumably up until the moment that you saw them in Mexico, you thought that they were hiding behind the curtains. Like it was, Oh, well we got deported too, but they yeah. didn't show, like any other film would have shown them getting caught. Yeah. Like, it almost feels like, and I don't know, but it almost feels like no one involved in making this film really knew how to make a movie. But so it was, this movie was made in the editing process. Yeah. I don't know, but that's it has a really unique tone and vibe because of that. And I found myself like so I watched this movie in parts and I found myself constantly thinking about it. <laughs> like it, from its from its opening gag with the low rider, which is one of my favorite fucking scenes this entire yep. movie. Or that or the polishing it is yeah, or the really catchy up and smoke theme song. It's like there's just something about this movie. <laughs> I didn't realize how musical Cheech Marin was. Like, I, I know. Knew some, I knew the bits. I knew the comedy bits, the classics. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, the last band that I had, it, um, I was uh, trying to create a band with my friend Dave. And then he got a bunch of other musicians to round it out. And then he couldn't make the first practice, and then he couldn't make the second <laughs> practice. And after a while, it was like, okay, you're not in the band, are you? He's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to make it. And so we named the band Dave's Not Here after <laughs> the classic Cheech and Chong bit, Dave's Not Here. Uh, so that that's my connection to the material. Who is it? It's me, Dave. Open up, man. I got the stuff. Who is it? It's me, Dave, man. Open up. I got the stuff. I Who? It's Dave, man. Open up. I think the cops saw me come in here. Who is it? It's it's Dave, man. Will you open up? I got the stuff with me. Who? Dave, man. Open up. Dave? Yeah, Dave. Come on, man. Open up. I think the cops Dave's saw me. Dave's not here. 
No, man. I'm Dave, man. Hey, come on, man. Who is it? It's Dave, man. Will you open up? I got the stuff with Who? me. Dave, man. Open up. Dave? Yeah, Dave. Dave's not here. No, man. I am Dave, man. Will you? Come on. Open up the door, will you? I got the stuff with me. I think the cops saw Who me. Who is it? Oh, what the hell is it? Go. Open up the door, it's Dave! Who? Dave! D-A-V-E! Will you open up the goddamn Dave? door? Yeah, Dave! Dave? Right, man, Dave. Now, will you open up the door? Dave's not here! Oh. <laughs> That's Which I, I noticed they had, like, a little reference to that with the bird, when mm -hmm. the bird was answering the door. Uh, of uh, strawberries not here or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, it was a, yeah. a little nod to that bit. <laughs> so we, we've, we're kind of like jumping all over the place with it, but as I tend to as do. As we do. <laughs> uh, as I tend to do, because I like, I like feeling like I have control. <laughs> Nick, what did you think of the movie? <laughs> That's right. And remind me before I go into this, have you seen this film before or was I've this seen on your bits and pieces of this movie so I do have a little bit of history with Cheech and Chong so I'll go into that first is I've never seen this movie all the way through however growing up my dad was a big fan of Cheech and Chong and actually if you look see pictures of my dad when he's younger he looks exactly like Chong <laughs> like it's it's kind of uncanny amazing um so my dad was always a big fan and so I had seen bits and pieces of a lot of their movies. And I think I put a lot of them together uh, into this. Like, I definitely remember the van, um, the weed van. Yep. Um, I feel like I, I, and I for some reason in my memory, the movie, the, the van looked different. Like, I thought it was like legitimately made out of weed well when they're assembling it it looks like it is like they're mm -hmm. putting the drill on and it's actual like plant matter yeah. but then after they've assembled it it just looks like a weirdly yeah. textured ice cream van or something so like i you know i've seen bits and pieces of it um and then like you know, growing up, like I, you, we've seen Cheech and Chong in a lot of things. Like Chong was a regular on that '70s show, <laughs> um, and Cheech went kind of legit and was like doing some like legitimate act. You know, not not to discredit whatever like Tommy Chong was doing, but like right. you know, Cheech was on like Ghostbusters like, too, <laughs> and he was on like Medium, and um, you know, doing a lot. He of does a lot of voice acting. Yeah, that was actually the first thing Amanda noticed. Is she's like, "Oh, I know his voice from something." And it, yep. it was like, um, the Chihuahua from Oliver and Company, <laughs> and, like, and then also from Lion King. And like, right. yeah, like this fucking stoner dude, and who still is a big stoner. Like him and Tommy Chong own like a weed business or something. Are you know he's he's done big things. Yeah. So. What did I think of Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke? Um, so I had hoped to watch this film for the first time, stoned out of my gourd. <laughs> it did not happen because of our kooky kid schedule um, this month with their spring breaks and various vacations and things. Um, so I... Uh, had to watch it sober, <laughs> which I think it would be. I, so first I say that to say I will be watching this again once I have the opportunity. 
Um, and I think it will be a very different experience. I don't know if I'll like it more. I think I will. But that doesn't mean I didn't not enjoy... Like, I enjoyed myself watching this film. Mm-hmm. I will say that a lot of the comedy bits did not age well. No. There is a lot... It's not to say they're not funny, but, but they haven't aged well. There, there are... There are some that are just funny. There's some that are funny that it's like, ooh, couldn't really get away with that today, but it's funny. And then there's a couple that just like land really flat for me um, because of how they've aged to where it's like, oh, that have shouldn't have been of, funny back then. Do you have an example of one? I do. Um, the name of the reporter. Oh, yeah. That uh, was real bad. Toyota Kawasaki or something. Yeah. I was like, ooh. <laughs> It's a good thing one of you is brown. That's all like it because if if they were both white, that would have been real bad. Tommy Chong was is still mixed. Really Does that bad. count? <laughs> He's part but, Asian. Does that count? And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. It was just flat out racist. Well, it's not, um, I remember that was the way I felt about uh, Airplane. Was there was like yeah, half of that movie was like ooh. Yeah. Now, now that was a situation where I kind of it was definitely humor based on race, but I had a very different reaction to mm-hmm. how they used race in in their comedy in Airplane. And I say that with the great big asterisk of, and I'm pretty sure I did this all throughout that episode. Like, I'm the white guy that <laughs> is middle class and cis presenting and like. I'm not the one that gets to decide whether or not yeah. the, how they portrayed racial humor in airplane was okay or not. Yeah. Um, but this one hit uh, a little differently than it did for me with airplane. Yeah. Um, so I'll get that. that. If we, as we have to do with a lot of these movies, if we put it in the context of, of time and, and the evolution of our social awareness, um, I enjoyed the film very much. I think a lot of it was funny, and I still am, I, I don't think it was a great movie. I'm debating whether or not it's a good movie or a terrible movie, and that goes back to the what of these decisions were intentional or not? Mm-hmm. And I guess at the end of the day, how much does that matter? I don't know. Like I am, I am left with a lot of questions. Yeah. After this movie, and not a lot of conclusive statements. <laughs> so one thing I definitely want to do is I want to go back at some point and listen to the, some of their comedy records and see how yeah. some of these play out. You know, if they play out differently without the visual aspect. You know. Uh, because obviously Cheech and Chong were a big deal. Like they were, they were a popular duo. So something they, yeah, was working. Icons of their era. Yeah. So like you know, they, they, it's not that this movie made them big. They were big before this movie, and this movie just launched them even even further. Yeah. Um. So I, I find all that fascinating, and, I, and I'm just truly curious. One thing I will say, uh, and I don't think I've ever talked about this on air. Uh, because my mother listens I'm to the show. My, oh. my mother listens to the show occasionally, and I've just never wanted to admit it. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it now. I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. <laughs> I did watch at least part of this movie, Stoned. 
<laughs> can, can I do a tangent right now? Of course. I don't, I can't remember whether or not I've talked about this on the show or not. I don't think I have. So up until, I, I now um, use weed daily at night to treat my tremors. I have familial tremors. I didn't know they got um, rid of giant worms. They, oh yeah, yep, they're the worst. <laughs> that's, Sorry, that was that's, a low-hanging fruit joke. That is why the franchise died, is because like we became oh no, uh, it's still they're still going. And <laughs> Netflix just made one of Jamie Kennedy. They're still going. Really? Yes. Wow. Like a year or two ago, they're still they're Jesus. like on they're like on eight. <laughs> um, so so, I I am now a. a Regular weeder. <laughs> um, I like to. I like to be. I like to call it weed whacking. <laughs> nice. I like yeah. it. Um, so, I also did not tell my parents this for a very long time. Well, when uh, my mom and sister came out for uh, our wedding reception, hey, I was there. You were there. I told my mom that that I smoke weed now and all of the reasons why. And then I don't, I don't remember which way the conversation went, but my mom said like, well, if you come for Christmas, you should bring some. I was like, interesting. That conversation did not go the way that I expected it to. No. So I did. I, I brought some with when we visited for Christmas. He hit it up his butt and everything. I did. Um, uh, actually, uh, a dog ate it, and then I had to follow it around with a plastic baggie for a while. Been there. <laughs> um, so, I haven't. That, I, I have, nor have my, I. Had. I have never fed my dogs weed. Just don't come after me. <laughs> That's, it's a line. It's a reference to it's the a, film. It's, it's a joke. Um, and while my neither of my parents partook, one night... Um, Myself, my wife, and my sister got stoned, and then the three of us played Cards Against Humanity with my mom, who was sober, oh, God. Um, and we played one, all night long. To be the one sober person in the room. The next day, she told Raina that it was the best night of her life. Aww. To watch the three of us like playing that game stoned with her, best night of her life. That, that- is... Can I just say I love your mom? Right. Your mom is like I. I got to know her a little bit, and your sister. I love them both. Yeah. It was a really for. I had so much shame about it, and yeah. I was so afraid to, to, to. I didn't think I'd ever tell my parents. You know, there's they're on the conservative side of the spectrum, uh, though they are not Trumpers. They they hate him. <laughs> but oh, they've always they're, I like your they're more of like now. the Reagan Republican, and uh, now they're really turned off by what the Republican Party has turned into. But welcome to our side. Yeah, all that to say, like I I had a lot of stress about that idea, and yeah. so the way that my mom responded to it was like, oh shit, and it made me feel a little bit more okay to be myself. Yeah. And, and um, like I said, I've not truly come out and talked about it yet. And I will tie all this back into Up and Smoke in a minute. Uh, <laughs> I have not truly come out and, like, 
mention like this is kind of like my soft like it's like if mom listens to this episode she will <laughs> sorry, hear it if sorry. not i'm not gonna bring it up and we will see what happens um but i i get that like i had a lot of sh- uh a shame in it as well because especially as like when i was young idealistic high school michael i was like i was really into straight edge punk music yeah and like it's really easy for you to be like, I don't drink or do drugs when you can't read. Like a lot of kids were, don't get me wrong, but like I, I couldn't really do it anyway. So it's really easy to be that person. And then you know, like when my dad started getting sick and he passed away, I kind of um, started uh, drinking a lot more heavily. Uh, granted, okay. I wasn't like going out, but I was drinking at home, and I just didn't like the way it was making me feel. And then you know drugs are kind of a, a problematic subject in my household so i don't really want to go in on that um so it's like i had a lot of self-guilt that i imposed on myself but i thought sure. it was one of those things you know because i didn't want to admit it um but it was one of those things that me and amanda decided one day like we thought maybe this will help with some of our stresses and anxieties and if we're just doing it ourselves at home and not like we're going out and doing anything you know it's a safe space and it's just you know, so it's like I, I I get where you're coming from because I had those same feelings of and of anxiety and fear, but it's interesting that I had these fears. Like I said, were self-imposed. No one really made me feel guilty for doing it. Okay, a lot of these were self-imposed because once again, my dad was a big fan of Cheech and Chong. I know <laughs> my dad used to smoke weed. I've heard my mom and dad talk about it okay you know so it's like it was a thing that i'm i'm aware of and weirdly enough watching up in smoke gave me some confidence about it in that here you have these two characters that became beloved fucking icons based around this yeah and like we use had been used in movies before but it was usually it was a couple it was like you know, reefer madness type thing. It's like, you'll go crazy if you smoke weed <laughs> or jump off of the empire state building. And then you'll just, you'll see a kid in a chair, like giggling to himself and laughing and shit, which, you know, I get that now. Uh, uh, but, or, or it was like, it's there, but it's so thinly veiled that like they're hiding it. So they're talking or, about it. So like it was, or it's like a cheap plot device. Yeah. Sometimes like, Oh, the stoner kid. Yeah, and it's usually he's tr- a troubled youth of some sort, or so it was. It was. I'm sure when this movie came out, it was a bigger deal than it is now. But to have two characters who are just openly talking about weed, and it's neither a positive in their life nor is it a negative. It's just part. It of just their is. Life. It's treated yeah. the way that a lot of people treat alcohol. You yeah. know, I personally think alcohol is a bigger danger to our society than than weed. But uh, that you know, you you can you have two people on the morning show like talking about drinking wine and it's fine, but God forbid you fucking toke up. So yeah. it's social stigma. So it's like watching half of this movie stoned. I will say, um, <laughs> is really funny. It's not like I'm falling out of my seat laughing type of thing, but like I I was I was just really vibing with it in a way that yeah. was you know like. Uh, and I was getting, I, I I was also getting really into the filmmaking of it. So like, <laughs> I I noticed I was just really hyper analyzing the way some of this, sh- this stuff was shot, and you know like the gritty aesthetic of the film. Um, <laughs> it was just nice to see a non polished comedy. 
Yeah. And then when I watched the other half sober, that's when I started noticing the problems. That's <laughs> when I started noticing the uh, the uh, like pacing issues. It's like, oh, man, if I was stoned, this thing probably wouldn't feel like it was taking forever. <laughs> Something that I've noticed when I watch a movie or show when I'm pretty high is I have a really hard time with the willing suspension of disbelief, but it doesn't take away from the experience at all. Mm -hmm. So like when there's an actor delivering this dramatic line, what I am seeing is him like chatting it up with the daffer at craft services and then, oh, it's my turn and you come and you get on your marks and then you just deliver that dramatic line you know out of the blue you that, become more hyper aware that you're watching a movie yes and it it doesn't take away from the experience at all but i i can't like it becomes nearly impossible for me to not see the production happening yeah. that being said usually if i'm watching something for the first time or something i'm watching to review or to analyze for the show i don't imbibe but i thought this was the one time where it feels appropriate <laughs> it's thematically appropriate yes, yes. Um, where were we what are we talking about we were talking about guilt and shame behind that we imposed (laughs) upon ourselves and then coming out to our parents about it um, and then um, shame yeah podcast shame list wow look at these connections yeah (laughs) Uh, and then we're you know we started just talking about like Cheech and Chong being counter culture icons and in their way and like it's, so yeah oh go ahead no no i was i was just gonna ramble so here's a something that i would love your opinion on okay because they didn't clarify it and i could see either one being really true mm-hmm. their music performance at the end yeah do you think because remember weed smoke from the van being on fire was mm-hmm. pumping into the entire club. Yeah. I know where were you're going they, with this. Were they that good? Or were they horrible, but everybody thought that they were amazing? I don't know which uh, which answer brings me more joy. <laughs> uh, but I think it's I like the idea that they were all just too stoned to care. <laughs> right. Um, because it's almost like the weed smoke takes away that sus- that suspension of disbelief that they are just perfect because like it's a trope that you get a lot in biopics that that it doesn't bug me to the point where it takes me out of the movie but where uh walk hard the dewey cox story <laughs> spoofed it really well where they're just he, he first time he plays walk hard and the entire band just starts kicking in and there's they're perfect at playing the song you get that all the time you get that in like the in, in the ray charles movie you got that yeah. walk the line where just like the entire band's kicking in they're playing it perfect the first time and they don't never played the song together um <laughs> but knowing that the entire audience is probably high makes that make sense right in a way that's really beautiful <laughs> Mama told 
awesome. Um, I love it. I also love that entire sequence because, like, it's just, it's so one thing I have to say I like about this movie as a whole. And once again, I, I I don't I don't love this movie, but I also far from hate it because like I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there's something about it, and like I I want to and like they made six fucking Cheech and Chong movies, so like I I want to see some of the other stuff that they did. <laughs> um, but what I find so wonderful about this movie is I. Let me back up. <laughs> when I talk about silent film and my love for silent film, part of that is because they didn't couldn't really do sound stages. So if you watch like an old Laurel and Hardy bit, like you watch um, the Music Box, you know that famous Laurel and Hardy bit where they're taking the piano up the stairs and hijinks ensue, or you watch any of um, Buster Keaton stuff. It's a it's a postcard. It's a it's a sketch of what the world was like when it was shot because they didn't have the means to build the to build a world entirely. You were seeing the way that Los Angeles or New York or whatever looked when they were shooting that film. What I think is so wonderful about Up in Smoke is you get that again. Um, because they didn't have the biggest budget in the world. They were just, I kind of felt like we were hanging out with Cheech and Chong's and they're Cheech and Chong and they're showing us their version of Los Angeles. And it was, it kind of was like all culminated near the end during that battle of the bands, because you're getting all these really interesting, uh, late seventies, LA punk bands. Yep. And most of them were real bad. Like one of them was the Dills. Like they're a real yep. fucking band. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of feels like they just showed up with a camera. And that's how so much of this movie feels. Where it just kind of feels like they showed up with a camera and just put Cheech and Chong in situations. Because you, it, there's a couple moments in the film where it doesn't feel like that. And those are the, feel like they feel like the most staged bits of the film. But so much of it just kind of feels like, almost like how they shot Borat. Where I don't think that's how they did it. But it almost feels like they just put Cheech and Chong in these situations and we're just filming and it's like just be you and we'll figure it out yeah you so as i was watching this movie it kept reminding me of the blues brothers and i, I could definitely fucking see that i couldn't tell why and you just described beautifully exactly why it reminds me of that one of the things that i love about the blues brothers is how it feels like Chicago in the early 80s. Chicago. When, like, when, where I grew up and when I was a kid, the cars, the buildings, the outfits, because it was just kind of shot on the street in the same way that Cheech and Chon was. The that Pier 1 it. Imports. <laughs> it, it captures, it, it, I really liked what you said, where it's like a postcard in time. Yeah. Yeah, so like that's that's what I found myself appreciating about it cuz like, you know, we 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 get a lot of really glitzy comedies nowadays. Like we get well, my my levels are weirdly low. Da, 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 da. Okay. We get a lot of glitzy comedies nowadays, but like I said, I I said near the beginning of this episode, there's something appealing about having a 
gritty comedy not gritty in that like it's like the batman or something or, yeah it's just black it's comedy. it's it's rough around the edges it's it's made quickly it's made cheaply but it's made of love yeah like you the reason you said near the beginning of this episode you don't know if this is a well-made movie or a poorly made movie or something <laughs> along those lines yeah. and the reason my argument for why i don't think it's a poorly made movie is because i think there's just so much love in this film meaning that- Oh, continue. Like low resources yes. and and maybe even low uh, experience, but a lot of passion. Yeah. And like, especially as you go through and even just listen to the score, which the, the music in this movie, which I want this soundtrack. So it's really good. <laughs> um, almost every song is done by Cheech and Chong. They, also, they not only wrote the songs, but they performed them. I also loved the Spanish language, like almost ballady version of Up and Smoke that yes. they played for the credits. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie. I've listened to the song Up and Smoke a couple times <laughs> since the, watching this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just um, and there's also the the cut where they got arrested. Mm-hmm. And, and brought into the courtroom, even though there were zero consequences, then they just yeah. left. Yes. <laughs> but, um, which again speaks to that, like how it's like a bunch of sketches very crudely tied together. But, um, but I'm like, damn, like Cheech has bars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, and I will say like so, some of the scenes definitely, uh, Work better when you're stoned. Like, yeah. the lard-ass scene fucking killed me. Hello, headquarters. Come in, headquarters. This is Officer Clyde. We Who's are... the code name? The code name! Headquarters. Headquarters, come in, please. This is code name Hardhead. Hat! Hard hat! Give me that. Hello, radio dispatch. This is code name Hard hat. Code name Hard hat. Do you read me? Over. Was that lard-ass? <laughs> Hard hat, codenamed hard hat. Do you read Radio Dispatch? Hey, got something for you, lard ass. Hard hat, hard hat. Do you understand? Lard ass, lard ass. <laughs> hard hat, Radio Dispatch. Do you know who this is? No, who is this is? This is Sergeant Stadinko. Oh, yeah? You know who this is? No. Bye-bye, lard ass. <laughs> Like, okay, Lord ass. like I was dead and I had to be brought back to life. <laughs> like oh, it's such shit. a stupid scene, but it works so fucking well. <laughs> the way that they keep peeing on his leg yeah, because that, he keeps ending I, up in the bathroom. I'm a <laughs> sucker for a running joke. Yeah. Um and I I, I love when stuff like that happens. My only complaint about it is that it would have been so much better with the rule of thirds. If they had gotten they needed one more one more pee on the lead joke, it would have sent it over the edge. Like I, like it could have, like fuck it. Just even at the end, when everyone is really stoned, if someone just would have whipped it out and just start pissing on him, yeah, right. Or he pisses on himself. <laughs> like th- that. That was my that was my complaint too. It's like there need to be a third. one. You know what? It, where I would have done it is when all of his depart department, whatever they were, when they were getting stone standing next to the van mm-hmm. 
as soon as he gives in and starts shoving pizza in his mouth, then one of them turn like yeah. just starts thinking they're peeing on the street, and but on, actually peeing honestly, on his leg. Honestly, like from that point, like with them in the van forward, I was just I work I'm cutting ahead, but that was kind of my thrill house moment when it was them like traveling to the van because they didn't know it was made out of weed too, so that <laughs> made it especially funny. Um, and then the cops are chasing them. It's like, oh, here's this weird like fucking smoking the bandit scene <laughs> or like section of the film where like they're being pursued by the cops <laughs> those doot boys are at it again <laughs> <laughs> and like i also love that they didn't really know why they were being pursued by the cops. <laughs> but they didn't question either because they're probably like we probably did something <laughs> oh well and it it like <laughs> i liked how I'm they kind of, of right now. unintentionally set it up with all of the raids in the beginning. <laughs> yes. Like they just live a life where they're constantly trying to dodge the cops. So it was just a part of their normal day to day activity. The fucking another scene that just killed me uh, was the scene with um, the police officer who pulls them over, but he's, <laughs> who, who he's wants the hot dog. Yes. Because their utter disbelief of it happening while they're sitting on each other's lap just was the funniest damn thing. Was that just real? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's they're they're very good at the stoner comedy bits, and I think where it didn't age well is where they started like doing pop kind of jokes. Mm-hmm. The, that's where they tended to go more like racist and and out of touch and and disconnected. But when they're just sitting there being dumb stoners, it really works. Yeah, like th- that's Pause the story. Um, but no, I, I I agree. Like when they're just, I don't want to say being themselves because <laughs> you know I've listened to interviews with them, and while there's probably a nugget of truth to who these characters are and who they were um you know it's probably it's still just, a persona yeah it's probably them turned up to like yeah. 10 um and uh like that all work it, it's it's a hangout movie yeah and it's a movie i like i like these characters so i want to hang out with them i like them so much that even when the film's not working i want to continue on that's a really well put description uh, apt description of the film i think if i were to like put a and not that i'm trying to rush the conversation but if i were to put a concluding thought on it like what this movie felt like to me is the film version of a friend describing a crazy night that they had when like everything is just kind of off it usually involves drugs or alcohol and like everything's just kind of crazy and they're describing these crazy things that happen and you're kind of like, yeah, that sounds crazy, but since you weren't a part of it, you don't really know. But what if they could show you? Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like to me. No, I think that's 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 the perfect way to describe it. Like, and it almost feels like that's like the correlation from going to the record to going to the movie. It's like you've heard these things before. Now let's put it on screen. Yeah. And I got there, but like the bird was answering the door, and then like, and then Tommy taught it to say, "What I forget what he did. Like, do you want to smoke or something?" Um, 
and and then I was and then he picked up some Ajax and this woman came over and snorted it and it was like, Oh my god, she's gonna die, but she didn't. <laughs> you know, I got it's... really scared during that scene. I think oh, part god. of that part of that was because I was stoned at that time. <laughs> but I was like, Where's the this movie's gonna take a turn? No. <laughs> it's gonna get was, real dark. I got really concerned. And it never really came back, which is fine, because yeah. I didn't know if I really wanted that, but she would have died, like <laughs> in the truest sense that most likely would have killed her, but yeah. fortunately, we're in a comedy movie, so Where no everything's one dies. fine. No one dies unless it's for a punchline. <laughs> this has been a strange season of the Shameless Picture Show because I feel like the movies have been very hit or miss. <laughs> Usually, very miss. <laughs> um, you know, like, because we did... Um, uh, we did uh, Weekend at Bernie's, which was not It was good. a miss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we did uh, Murder on the Orient Express, which I think was a miss. That was another Willow, miss. which was not a miss, but was not a complete hit. Yeah. Uh, I think it leans a little bit more towards hit than miss. Uh, I agree. You weren't in this one, but Spice Girl, I think, was just a pure fucking hit. Uh, Spice World. <laughs> nice. And then this one is kind of like in the Willow camp where it's like... It's, I agree. It's neither hit nor miss, but I think it's leaning more toward... The more I talk about it, the more I'm actually appreciating it. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, we I think we were both left with this what did I actually think about the movie? Kind of like unsettled confusion about it. And yeah, yeah the conversation is helping clarify it not strongly in one direction or the other but like i think i was debating like is this a two and a half star movie or a three and a half star movie and i'm landing on three i went to three three is where i went and that's not to say that i think this is a movie that can that can if you allow it to can easily grow on you Yes, in in the same way, that, like the first time I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that was weird. And now I fucking love that movie. Yeah, like, I can. Every I can, time you watch it, it gets better. And I agree. I think this film has that potential. And like, I think this movie would kill with an audience. Yeah, even if they're not stoned. Like, I think you go to see this movie in a theater. Like, I think some of like I think that fucking lowrider scene at the beginning will kill. <laughs> yeah you know i think the lard ass scene will kill like i just think this movie plays so well and even though it's like we're, i've been talking about the gritty aesthetic of this film it's also really cinematic like the fact that they shot this movie extremely widescreen they shot this movie scope they didn't have to they didn't have to shoot this movie with anamorphic lenses but they fucking did <laughs> they didn't have to go that hard they didn't it's like phil collins on the fucking tarzan soundtrack he didn't have to go that hard but he did <laughs> You know what would be the best uh, screening of this film hmm. would be at the Roxy. Yes. That would be incredible. Yes, I completely agree. Or at the Avalon Theater. <gasps> I, don't, I gotta get those rights, baby. I don't know if this movie would play well at the Avalon Theater. Uh, not with our local audience. No. We'd have to We'd have to find the right audience pockets. But our usual attendees... In fact, we might even catch flat from the... From some of our donors and whatnot. From your stoners? From our donors. Oh, okay. (laughs) So we one time had a little sidebar story on that. Uh, We had Citizen Cope play uh, one time. And he had just released an album, I believe, that had the word cocaine in the title. Oh, God. 
And there was a bit, like, there was a bit, we shouldn't have booked that show. Like, uh, there was a lot of contention over So you're saying the, the up-in-smoke stage play that I've been writing, that I, to pitch to you is not a good idea? I think if we, uh, I think we could if we framed it right. It, okay. But it's all about the setup. Um, well, it's it's going to be very different than what you're expecting because the entire thing is going to be about children and it's going to be about them being hooked on sugar and pixies. <laughs> instead of smoking joints, they're going to have pixie sticks in their mouth. <laughs> tandy cigarettes, but they're supposed to actually be tandy cigarettes, not yes. stage cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I'm in. <laughs> it's either that or I, I pitched this idea to Mac, even though I hated this movie. Weekend at Bernie's this on stage, I think, would do really well. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, it's all you can't do any of that stuff without getting the rights, though. No, and that that like I have a feeling that Cheech and Chong would be cool down for it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like if it, I feel like if you raise a little bit of dough, Chong might do it. Yeah, I think that's the right approach. Yeah, especially if he's the only. I feel like it'd be great if he was the only adult in a play of children. And he's the cop. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's the narc. He's well, the Stacy Keach role. You kids are like crazy, man. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of pixie sticks. <laughs> I just want to see a child, and I'm specifically picturing Milo with that <laughs> giant mustache and the red hat. <laughs> <laughs> the tiny little yellow crop top yes! shirt <laughs> and the corduroys pulled up way too high from those red suspenders. Yes. That outfit is inspired. I I want to be that for Halloween. <laughs> right? It's no one like yes, that specific outfit was iconic and was used over like that. I knew that outfit before I really understood who Cheech and Chong were. Mm-hmm. And it lives on to this day. It's so crazy, but it worked somehow. I don't get it. I love when he used his hat to polish his car during the low rider yep. sequence. <laughs> oh, uh, so good. Yeah. I think this is the most lovingly we've talked about a movie that we weren't sure how we felt about. Yeah. In yep. a while. And I think the, the most lovingly we've talked about a film this season. Yeah, at least an episode that we've both been involved in. Right, yeah. Spy, I, I can't weigh in on Spice World. I have not yet seen it, but I believe it was amazing. <laughs> it for, for anything alone, so the fact that they had Meatloaf in Spice World playing the bus driver, and with complete fucking conviction. So the the, the toilet broke on the bus, and he's like, He's like, call a plumber. He's like, we're in the middle of nowhere. How am I going to find a plumber? He's like, well, then you need to go in there and fix that. And he goes, I love these girls, and I will do anything for them, but I won't do that. <laughs> and he says it was such conviction. Yeah. <laughs> Did it have kind of a Josie and the Pussycats All vibe? Oh, 100%. That... I, I would totally be on board with that. And Elvis yes. Costello, me and Josephine came, got down to the, because there's a bunch of like celebrity cameos, like Elton John's in it and shit. Sure. Elvis Costello's in it as a bartender, but we truly believe it's Elvis. The joke is that he is Elvis Costello and he just happens to be behind the bar. Kind of like Kareem Abdul Jabbar in Airplane. Yes. Yes. So we're still talking about Joseph Nice. Kids. Or uh, Talladega Nights when. Uh, Ricky Bobby goes to um, 
Sasha Baron Cohen's character's home and in the backyard is Elvis Costello playing himself. <laughs> yes. I, I, I was just making a random reference to celebrities playing themselves and forgot that it was Elvis Costello until I got to that point in the story. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Elvis Costello was also in... Austin Powers 2? He has done a lot of cameo work. He has. He has. His IMDb page must be lit. He was also in The Simpsons playing himself. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah, but that's kind of like Bane on Law and Order. Like, everyone's done that. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Whoa. Does my audio sound weird to you? No, not to me. Oh, I must have just pulled on my headphones too hard. (laughs) All right. No, it's good now. So Nick, I told you my. Th- uh, I feel like we're running out. Of, we're running out of steam on this one. Um, yep. I told you my thrill house moment. What was yours? Seeing Cheech Marin in a pink tutu with red pasties and the knee high socks. Sh- like I don't. I don't know if he was actually playing. I suspect he wasn't based on the shots that they use. But fucking thrashing on that guitar. <laughs> Yes. So towards the end of the film, but that's the one. That was your clincher. That was the moment in. Yes. Up until then, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to land on this. I, I. But up until then, I could have finished the movie and been like, meh, not for me. It's one of those late. It's one of those late clinchers because I've had movies like this too that solidified everything I saw seen before it. Yes. Yep. And and everything I saw before got me to that point certainly. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't like, oh, I should turn this off. I should. I wasn't there at all. I just didn't know. And then that battle of the bands moment where they got up there and played, and it was a good song too. It was. It's probably the best battle of the bands song, uh, battle of the bands scene that I have seen in a very long time. I also enjoyed how they pretty much cut from that to them in the car the next day. Yeah, and he's singing the the song lyrics just to himself and was like man that was so great we had the so such a good song <laughs> good shit it sealed it yep and then we got that beautiful like spanish cover of up in Spanish. oh oh the music like, it really I, held this movie i'm together. not even saying it in a facetious way like i i truly mean it earlier when i said that this movie's kind of beautiful yeah because yep. it's it's when it comes down to its core it's about two people who are not afraid to be themselves oh 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 and don't we all need that yeah we all Fuck. need to find our own in, inside cheech and chong okay all right we have to wrap up the episode right there that's the that is what i want to go out on <laughs> you want to go up in smoke oh i want to go up in smoke and then go upstairs and smoke yeah i'm also gonna just I'm going to play the entire Up in Smoke song during the credits. And then, like, if it were the video version, it would be me doing, like, the end credits of uh, the Incredible Hulk TV show, but to that end credits Up in Smoke thing, yeah. Yeah. I am going to miss this so much, and I'm going to miss all of you, and... Well, uh, I've pretty much not given you a choice. You're gonna you're gonna come back for at least one episode this season, and it will very Brady Christmas, very Brady Christmas because yes, I'm in that. You know, that's far that's the only Christmas movie we have planned. But um, <laughs> that was something we have we had talked about doing for a while, so it needs to happen. And it'll be like a Christmas present to each other. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Love it. I'm in. Well, Nick. 
I don't want to say final, but that's the only thing I could think of. Is there <laughs> anything you want to say for your final sign-off? Good night, Seattle, and good mental health. That was beautiful. Thank you. It's from Fraser. <laughs> I've been smoke. That's where my money goes. In my lungs. Sometimes up my nose When troubled times Begin to bother me I take a tote And all my cares Go up in smoke Up in smoke, donde todo es libre. There are no signs que dicen no fume. So I roll a bummer y me doy un buen toque. Y después I choke Y todo mis cares Go up in smoke Hay gente que Se mortifica All the time They are viejos antes de su tiempo. But I say, Arabata, all the gospels you can find. Porque all, all the time, get high time. Come on, let's go get high. Up in smoke, that's where I want to be. Cause when I'm high, the world is low, don't bother me. When the light begins, you be one call and begin to throw. The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Viers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Viers. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed. The Shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Viers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn, 
You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.